Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. This is Grilling at the Green After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Everybody, welcome to After Hours. I'm JT, and today we've got Kay Cockrell from the Golf Channel. With this, Kay has been kind enough to uh, remove her pug from her lap so she can actually have access to her cell phone and talk to us today. And uh, But I'm sure the pug isn't more than four inches away from her because mom was gone for a long time. So there you go. Am I? Is that pretty close? Yes. Yeah. I, I've actually had to nudge him a couple of times because he started snoring and I didn't <laughs> want his snores to come across on uh, on your program. You know, he forgets to turn his volume down. And, and my husband is actually in the dining room, which is his office now since COVID, since last March. Um, he thought it was going to be temporary, but it's turned out to be uh, well over a year and he works for the San Francisco Giants baseball team, which um, we're doing quite well. We're all about baseball and golf in this household. So uh, happy to have more fans back in the, in the ballpark. And he's actually gone to the ballpark a few more times than, than original, but it's so strange that he's, he's still working from home and all of his coworkers are as well. Yeah, my uh, my wife works for a community college. She's a director at a community college up here. She's been working from home since last first of March. Um, and they're not sure when they're actually going to come back to the campus. Um, well, I mean, it's, there's been a lot of good and bad from all of this. It's an, it's been an exercise in understanding that people do and can work pretty well from home. And it's finding ultimately that happy balance. I, I think there are certain people that don't work well from home and need that office environment and some that would like a hybrid situation, which I imagine is what the majority are going to go through when everyone returns. Sure. And maybe having that nice mix, which, which especially people that have long commutes would be very happy about. Yeah. Um, I would think so. I, I get out and come up to the radio station a couple of days a week and do my shows, which gets me out of there. But most of the time I'm working, but I've done that for years. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I had a couple of production companies before, small ones, but we did have staff and we had, you know, brick and mortar um, studios and stuff. And then when I few years ago i thought i wasn't going to do this anymore and then i was sadly mistaken i got called back into service and um but i still you know pretty much produce everything from home except the actual interviews so i come to the stations to do that but i think your analogy of a hybrid situation is is 
spot on. Um, I know a lot of the law firms and stuff around town. They're most of their lawyers are working from home most of the time now, unless they actually have to come in and do a deposition or something. So, well, and it's amazing what it's done to the the golf world and how golf has really grown in the last year. And people have picked it up for the first time. A lot of people have returned to the game because for a long period, it was the only thing you could do outside for exercise. And I think uh, with people having their home schedule, they could carve out four, four and a half, five hours to get out on the course a couple times a week and then maybe work later into the evening to make up for it. And it's funny how, how creative people can be to find uh, find time to play golf. I, uh, I would have defied you a few months ago, Kay, to find a tea time uh, around here between I live down by the OGA golf course, which is South of the city. And then Langdon farms, which you heard me mention, uh, I play there a lot, but on pretty much any course around, you know, if you, if they had an extra tea time, it was after two o'clock or three o'clock in the afternoon, Mm -hmm. you know, you just couldn't find them. And those, those, um, reprobate friends of mine that live up in the state of Washington, right across the border, they kept coming down and taking our tea times and I was getting after them for it. You know, they, how dare they, how I dare know they? that was our course. Golly. Jeez. It's um, a good, good problem. Good problem for the golf industry to have. It is. It is. What, uh, let's switch gears here for a little bit. What's been your toughest assignment ever since you've been on, uh, being a commentator for golf channel? Uh, I don't, I, I define tough. Uh, uncomfortable. Maybe it had to do with the tournament, the players, the weather, something that just didn't gel right. You know, just didn't run smoothly from Thursday to Sunday afternoon type thing. Well, I think, uh, you know, extreme conditions and weather can always be tough when you're an on-course commentator. My, my, fellow commentators that are in the booth who have the luxury of having calling golf in a temperature controlled unit. They uh-huh. don't, they don't know what it's like to, <laughs> to withstand the 40 mile an hour winds in Scotland and the rains coming in sideways. And you're wearing every, every layer of clothing that you can. And the only thing, the only consolation is at least I'm not swinging a golf club and trying to get the ball in the hole. I'm just yeah. talking about it. Or uh, earlier this year at Shadow Creek, the women played a, a match play event up there, and it was so hot. It was just, it was so hot. And it's, yes, it's a dry heat, but it was, it was so tough. And that's a hilly, challenging golf course to walk. Uh, the Olympics uh, for the women was no easy feat. It was very warm for the men. And that was nothing compared to what it was for the women. High 90 degrees, extreme humidity, heat index of 110. Um, Thank goodness the course had plenty of shade for you to escape and and get a breather in the shade. Those those are tough, tough courses. I would say the Solheim Cup is usually, when it's overseas, is always very challenging. Um, I'd have to say working the first time I worked the Augusta women's national amateur championship Mm -hmm. was tough because it was my first time at Augusta working. And it's a, it's an intimidating place in terms of the fact that you, 
there are things you can and cannot say, and everyone's sort of very tense and wants things to be perfect. And yet I felt like I couldn't be myself because I was so uh, afraid of saying the wrong thing. Um, so that was, I felt like that was a challenging environment in which to work. Uh, I'm used to being a lot more relaxed and not really um, <laughs> that worried about what's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> not that I would ever say anything yeah. uh, that would end my career. Uh, Tommy Roy, who's a great producer for NBC, and he I've learned so much for him. He is very intense. So whenever I work NBC events, you have to be on your toes because Tommy expects perfection. He likes to scream or yell at you if he's made a mistake. And I learned early on it was not personal that he does that to everybody. And he has a different style of producing than other producers I've had. And everyone, like I mentioned earlier, is a little different. But he's definitely high intensity. And that your heart rate is always just sort of up, probably <laughs> 10 to 20 beats per minute uh, when you work for him. But he also brings out probably the best in everybody sure. in, a, in a crazy way. So, Is he kind of a, a modeled after uh, Tricanian, Frank? I, I would say I, I never had the, the, the luxury of working for him, but I heard a lot about him. And I think that's a little more old school. How you know? I think in the trucks it was more you know smoking and and high intensity, and now everything's just a lot more pleasant. I think all the producers these in general are a lot more laid back, and maybe they have their moments where they they ignite over certain things behind the scenes. But it's certainly as an announcer, they curtail their anger or their exuberance to just try to keep things very mellow for, for the commentators. They ever let you in the production trailers? I mean, on the sets where, cause I know they've always got food stashed on the side. <clears throat> oh yeah. You know? Oh it, yeah. I, I mean, I've at times when I, if I'm done early or um, I go in beforehand, I just, it's just always amazing to watch to see the producer and director in action with the bank of cameras and all that they have to think about. I mean, most people don't realize how difficult covering live golf is because it's not just one field and you have all your cameras aimed down on that one body of action. It's 18 different fields. And as things are happening on one hole, two or three other things are happening simultaneously. So you have to tape those things, show the live, get to those tape shots. Now while you're showing those tape shots, three or four other things important are happening. And if you're not careful, all of a sudden you're backed up in tape shots, not really showing anything live. Mm -hmm. So it's a real dance to, to get live and show tape shots. Then you go to commercial and 10 other things have happened. And it's interesting with this new, new um, technology of showing the playing through live playing through, which some people love and some people hate. So while they're showing a commercial on one half of the screen, you, you could continue to watch the golf action as right. it's happening. And, and that helps out the telecast to a certain degree. They don't have to then show a lot of those shots or they might save one of the really good ones or the, the leader and show that when they come back from commercial, but it kind of gives a little bit of an out to what happens during the commercial break. No, that's true. I, and I actually enjoy that. Um, 
I will turn the sound off so I don't have to listen to the commercial. But uh, and there you ha- there you have announcer free golf, which Keith Hirschland was a big uh, supporter of. In fact, we did a, a corn ferry tour event nationwide at the time in Boise, announcer free. And I'm sure you've already talked about this with him or Jerry. Mm-hmm. But that was his dream. Announce just not hear the announcer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is there any event that you haven't worked that you want to work? Um, I would. Say probably the men's open championship. I love I love Scotland and England and Ireland and the golf over there. And I've not worked one of those yet. I'm going to work the women's version next week at Carnoustie. And so I'd I'd like to work I'd like to work one of those. I think that's a you probably will before you hang up the and microphone. I actually, I well, I'd I'd actually have I'd say the the masters, but I kind of worked it in some respect. I did I did the, the radio last fall when mm-hmm. it was when they had the masters in November, and that's probably my first and last time that I will do radio. I have a newfound respect for those doing radio. It was so so difficult. And here I am going in as a TV person who's been told for 25 years, less is more, speak less, be concise to radio, where you have to talk about everything, even mm-hmm. as the ball's flying in the air and how it lands and how it releases and rolls out. And I, I was exhausted <laughs> mentally, physically. I don't think my voice is built for that amount of talking either. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was it, it was a really interesting there. There was a tough assignment that probably right there was my number one tough assignment. And I think I barely passed. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's tough? You got to try calling rodeos national. I had the <laughs> I did this stuff for five years for not the arena announcer, but I had the radio broadcast rights to the NFR that comes up every year in Vegas. Um, and that's two hours and 56 minutes of just nonstop stuff. Boom, 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 you know, like that. Uh, right. My first night when I did it, very first time I did it, that was probably one of the biggest train wrecks I'd ever had. Um, you know, I shaped up real quick, but yeah, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. You got to just and be full probably, of it. it. It probably came off better than you thought. As as I always feel, I feel like what I say is terrible. Oh, gosh, my timing was off. Why did I describe it that way? Oh, that was so obvious. Why did you say that? <laughs> I'm so critical of myself. And then when I, if I happen to watch it back, which I do not as much now, I did a lot in the early days because that's the best way to learn and really figure out where you're strong and what you need to work on. It's like looking at your video, your swing, your golf swing. It's hard to do, but it's necessary if you really want to make changes and, sure. and better yourself. And and it always ends up, even when you screw up and you felt like you totally blew a, a section, it it never comes off as bad as you think. No, it doesn't. But to me, that also reflects the pride we take in doing our jobs well. You know, we're, we're I'm I'm self-critical. Um, one because 
you know, you and I have both been doing our respective jobs for quite a while. And so we have our own internal, my thoughts are we have our own internal level of, of where we want to be and the quality of stuff we put out there on the air. And I think that comes with a little professional pride too, but you know, sometimes words just come out like you got a bowl full of oatmeal with marbles in it. And it, (laughs) it just, well, it happens with everybody in life. You might wake up on the wrong side of the bed or you're just sort of in a funk that day and you you probably don't you know you don't aren't gonna have your best stuff and for if you're a professional golfer and you feel that way, you have to figure out how to make par. And maybe you'll come out of that funk on the back nine and and make a few birdies and make a move. Same thing with T V. If I feel like my brain's a little fuzzy or I'm not as clever or I'm not as articulate that day, I just, I play for par and I just keep it simple and hope maybe as the show goes on, I loosen up or get inspired in a different way or some bulk of energy comes into my, my brain and my body and I can flip things around and get a little more uh, uh, aggressive. But you have to know your limitations and play to them at times. And then when things change, go with the flow. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh I think that's very sage advice. Now, one last question and then I'll let you go, Kay, because you've been so kind to spend all this time with me. When you travel, and I'm not talking about the work part, I'm talking about on your personal time. What's the toughest thing for you? Is it finding good places to eat? Now you guys don't like hang out in Minot, North Dakota. I get that, okay? Or Marfa, Montana a lot. So there's you've usually got Places, you know, nice hotels and so on and so forth. All my years of travel, a lot of times I found the toughest time, toughest thing for me was to find a a place where you could go sit down and have a quiet, decent meal like that. Um, that's just what in my life what it was. What is it for you? Well, probably both for work and, and personal. It's probably harder for work, except I, I usually find a couple of the good, uh, my fellow coworkers or that are foodie enthusiasts and between the two or three of us, we'll look up and find local places that, that are, are good or well, are recommended or we'll ask some tournament officials, where, where do you guys like going? Sure. Um, because I don't like the chain restaurants. I want to go somewhere where there's some interesting food. And when, when I travel with my husband, he's really into that. And he, he's all over the, the apps or looking at, you know, the top restaurants in any given city that we're going to, or like Eater, Eater SF or Eater New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And they always have like the different, different categories of hot new restaurants or, places, places that are, you know, like maybe serve good cocktails or whatever it may be. And we, we just line those up and hit them and try to make reservations in advance. If we know it's going to be tough, tough reservation or look for places where you can just slide in last minute. And we're fine with sitting at the bar and eating as well. We don't always have to have a perfect table. We're, we're happy to sit at the bar if they serve food. So uh, yeah, definitely finding good restaurants. I, I'm not, a, I'm not a good cook myself. Like sounds like you are, 
but I appreciate good food, real food. And I'm not a junk food eater. I like quality food. Yeah. It can be very simple, but I want real good quality food. Uh, yeah, I can't tell you how many times in my travels that I <clears throat> had dinner out of a vending machine, which never impressed me. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, That's the worst. Yeah, it is. I'll tell you, I was in um, Oklahoma one time. My plane got in late. And the the Blazers were in the playoffs that year. They were in the finals. And I'm not a huge basketball fan, but it was Portland. And so I was going to do that. So they picked me up at the airport. They drive me down and, and the hotel's just down the street a couple miles. And the the lady said, well, you want to go to dinner? And um, she had a really heavy kind of Texas accent. And I said, no, I'd I'd really like to watch the game. I said, so I can order something. I'm, I was very familiar with Oklahoma City. I'd been there many, many times. And she says, well, I reckon you can just eat out of a vending machine. Here's $5. I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's, I know what I'm dealing with this weekend. So there you go. Anyway, it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah that's classic. Yeah. That's classic. Get, get creative with your vending machine selections. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kay Cockrell from the Golf Channel. What a wonderful treat it was to have you on the show. I hope you'll consider doing doing it again sometime. I'd lo I'd love to, Jeff. Thanks for thanks for having me. No problem. Doors always open, kiddo. Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of After Hours. Don't forget, Kay and the Golf Channel crew crew will be here in mid September for the Cambia. Uh, Nelly's supposed to play. That's big news. Came out yesterday. And we're all looking forward to it. So again, Kay, thank you. And folks, we'll be back next week. I hope you all have an enjoyable week and be kind. Take care.